Welcome back to another episode, and I think this is the first time he's been on the Orange Couch. No. The, no, I've no, been here right? before. You have been? I was here like a year ago or something. Were you? I thought yeah. it was just Skype. But uh, No, I was actually here. Okay, I, I got to go back and, and look I, at the tape. because... I nearly because... slid right off. This thing is so <laughs> slick, man. Troy Brewer is a world-renowned missionary author. I love that. You're not just the one fiddle player. No. You're a pastor. You are a mentor to many. You're an inspiration. But most of all, you're a great husband, great father, and a friend. Thank you, my friend. And I want to welcome you to the Orange Couch. Thank you. Thank you for making time on your vacation to visit me once oh, again. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, I'm here for you today, so thank you. What inspires you, Pastor Troy? Oh, wow. Well, I, inspiration comes through a very creative process for me, man. So I like being creative, being a part of next level stuff and imagining, right? Imagination, uh, promise, wonder, all that. I find inspiration and all that kind of stuff. I'm a huge history guy. I love history and I get inspired by the courage of people. I get inspired by the faithfulness of people and it makes me wonder. And so those kinds of things. I feel like everybody knows Troy. Really? Yeah. Everybody, everywhere I go, Troy Brewer, you got to have him. I say, I know him. No, you don't know him. Do you know the real Troy? And if you don't know who Troy Brewer is, I'm going to introduce him. I'm going to have my media host hat on, and I'm going to do the proper thing and say this. You are the founding and senior pastor of Open Door Church in Burlington, Texas. Yes, sir. Burlington, Texas. Burlington, Texas. <laughs> 28 years now. 28 years yep. now. You have a radio program, television programs. You broadcast all over the world with internet and so many different things. Uh, the Mondo your, Show. My show, Jim Baker's show, Daystar. But you give a lot of props to Alan DiDio. Oh, <laughs> I do. I give you a hard time Alan for that. Because I saw an brother. interview. Oh, this is the best show I've been. I said, wait a minute. You were just on my show like two yeah, weeks ago. He says that every show he's on. <laughs> He and I are buddies, and we run around together. You are a rescuer of boys and girls from the horrific lifestyle of sex trafficking, human trafficking, but you are also a man that loves Jesus, uh, and I you're am. not ashamed of it. No, I'm not. What made you fall in love with Jesus? I mean, there's people oh. that know Jesus, mm. but there's very few people that love Jesus. Brother. This brother loves him some King Jesus. From the very second that Jesus introduced himself to me way back in 1986, what God has revealed to me from the very beginning was the Father's heart. He showed me, Troy, your family, and I mean it. I love you just the way you are. Mm. You're in. Now I'm going to work on you, and we're going to work together, and it's going to be good. But I never felt so loved. I never felt so accepted. I never felt like I had that kind of a level of family, all those things was the first encounter that I had with King Jesus. And consequently, that's been an ongoing part of my ministry. So, you know, how Jesus reveals himself to you yeah. is how your ministry works. Okay. So uh -oh. like Moses, I'm going to show up and I am a sign and a wonder. Well, guess what Moses's ministry was, right? He did signs. Hey, Joshua, I'm going to show up and I'm a, I'm a mighty warrior and I want to introduce myself. And he's like, whose side are you on? I'm asking you. Whose side are you on? He's like, whoa, that's the Lord. And then he became a mighty warrior. How the Lord revealed himself to me was through the Father's heart 
He came after me. I wasn't even looking for him when I got saved. He showed up and he rescued me. And I mean, just showed up, made himself manifest in a church service, which I was just there for a, a high school graduation. I wasn't there to hear Jesus or anything. And the Lord invaded me, filled me with the spirit. So now that's made me be a rescuer. Now I want to demonstrate the father's heart to everybody. And it's just overflow. You know, he makes you a wellspring and up. Listen, if you just tuned in our program today, we're going to be talking about one of the most prolific issues in the nation, in the world today, which is human trafficking, sex trafficking. It has changed the trajectory of our paths. If you've heard about it, if you've seen it, if you witness it, or if you have been a part of that world, stay tuned because you are going to go into a storytelling with me on what took place in the Amazon, what took place that inspired, that changed Pastor Troy's you know, direction in life. Because I want to tell you something. God may call you to do something in life. The difference maker of that is if you're worried about how you're going to fund it, you're going to stay stuck. If you're waiting for others to come in and fund it for you, you're going to get stuck. But when you hear the call of God and you begin to do it without money, without resources, without people coming in, right now it looks like the whole world is jumping on board, trying to help you. Trying, to, But you have been doing this for how long? How long have you been rescuing kids? How long have you been involved in the human trafficking um, stories and, and being able to understand that this has developed in the call that probably you never expected? Oh, no, I was not looking for this at all. Uh, at 27, 28 years, we've been doing this. We've been rescuing kids. Um, just about as long as we've had the church, actually. But, yeah, whenever we first got started, I just, we were building food banks all over the world. You know I'm a food yes. bank guy, right? And uh, we were building food banks all over the world, and I was building one in Costa Rica, and we always built them near trash dumps and um, because lots of families live there. And so... We were building a food bank there, and I was there, and we were visiting people, we were feeding people, and this woman came up to me, and she had these two little nine or ten year old Nicaraguan refugee girls, and they were dark skinned, black eyed, black haired, and I could tell that they had been, I could tell that they had been roughed up in a really mm. bad way, and I was wondering what's going on with this, and then she told me, she says to me in Spanish, you know, would you like to buy these girls? And she says to me, you could make a movie. She thought that I was a sexual terrorist because we were in such a bad part of the world, and she couldn't imagine why any middle-aged white guy would be walking around <laughs> in that part of the world except for sexual terrorism. I wow. said, yeah, man, I'll buy them right now. How much? And she told me, and I literally traded money, and I took those two little girls by the hand, got them out in the car with the other pastors, including my wife, and said, you're going to remember this day for the rest of your life. This is the day that Jesus sent me to rescue you. I'm going to take you to a home and nobody's ever going to hurt you again. But Troy, and how do you get how this? How do you get these children? Well, those kids, and I, I want to tell you. First of all, when we when we say you're coming with me, they don't feel like they have a choice in any way. Then, by the way, we're going to feed them, and nobody's feeding them, and they they nearly starve all these kids to death, you know. And so, all, always they're hungry and say, "Hey, I'm going to take you to go get something to eat." I want you, and they just figure, well, it's the party. 
It's the same old thing. They don't know that we're not there to sexualize them. They don't know that we're, we're there to rescue them. And it takes a little bit of time for them to begin to come out of the mindset of being a slave and into the mindset of being a child again. But it doesn't take a real long time, brother, because I'm telling you, man, the love of God, it's the anointing that breaks the yoke. And you show them the Father's heart and you love them. The anointing of the Lord, man, just breaks that <laughs> yoke right off of them. It's so cool. What's behind human trafficking? What's behind this the slaving of, of children? Uh, because a lot of us may not understand that there's something so simple yet so powerful behind this movement that is driving the appetite for sex, the appetite for perversion for these kids. One thing is having those appetites as a grown adult. That's an issue on its own. Because if it's outside of the Bible, if it's outside of marriage, if it's outside of the principles of, the, of God, it's one thing. Now we're dealing with children. Mm-hmm. What's behind it? What's your opinion? What, what do you think? After seeing this for 28 years, what is the conclusion that you come up with that is behind this drive? Well, thank you for asking that, brother, because it's not natural. You have to be conditioned for it. It's not natural. You have to be conditioned for it. And the conditioning agency throughout the world is actually pornography. Pornography is, I'm telling you guys, it is. Brother Mondo, I want to just just hit on something before you said something. You know, you said, hey, I'm not, you know, we're not talking about, you know, expressing our own sexuality. We're supposed to express our own sexuality within the biblical font, within the biblical confines of marriage. And it's beautiful and it's awesome. I'm not going to apologize for being a dude. I'm not a eunuch. <laughs> and I tell everybody, I ain't signing up for that. So sex is not the issue. Okay. Sex is not the issue. Sex is not the issue. It is what happens and what is driven demonically. And it actually, and it, and it actually happens through pornography. And so pornography does that. And if you're a part of pornography, you're a part of trafficking. And I tell guys this all over the world. And again, I'm a grown boy, but you know what? My congregation should have a pastor that does not look at pornography, right? Every single man that is in my church deserves a pastor that does not lust after his beautiful wife, mm. right? And these are simple things that have been lost in the body of Jesus because, because of the normalization of pornography in our own lives. And in some cases, within our own marriages. We say, well, that's not true among godly people. Yes, it is. People have invited that junk into their life. And I'd say this, if you're watching pornography, you're watching a crime scene. Mm, wow. And you're participating wow. in a crime scene. And not only does judgment come upon those who commit such things, but those who are entertained by it. That's what the Word of God says. So also we know that iniquity is passed down to the fourth generation, not transgressions, but iniquity. What you don't deal with on the inside is passed down to the, to the fourth generation. So that means if I am watching pornography and if my category is same sex, even though I'm not looking at boys, it doesn't matter. That's the same sex spirit that comes into my family. And we want to know why so many of our kids or falling into homosexuality and falling into cross-gender and all these things, it's because of the gate that we open in the portals of hell through pornography, and we invite same-sex spirit into our own house. And iniquity is visited on the fourth generation. As a got pastor, to deal with it. what advice would you give that person watching? And if you're a, a, a lady that 
mm-hmm. got hooked on pornography. Yes. Because your marriage is not working now. So you're, you're finding attention that way. Maybe you're a man that is successful in your business, yet no one knows that part of you. And if people knew who you are and they find out what, what's going on behind the scenes, it would destroy everything that you, you're working hard for. As a pastor, what direction do you give on how do we begin to develop to break that pattern? How do we find hope into where millions, I'm reading about this, millions of people have become addicted to pornography, yet is not being dealt with because you can still function. Mm -hmm. As a pastor, what advice do you give where we can begin to break that pattern? I would say it's the same as any other addiction, and you have to be so real about it. And you're going to have to come clean, and you're going to have to have very uh, hardcore um, accountability within your life. And let me let me say this. When you said, hey, the reason why it goes on is because you can still be so functional. You can still operate as a doctor or a lawyer, even as a pastor, if you have a pornography issue. Here's what I'd say. The kids that come out of it, they don't they don't function properly. Mm. they don't they don't function properly you know there's there's so many you know we we have a big thing you know our foster care system here in the united states has four hundred thousand kids in it and here's what i can tell you the day that they turn 18 and those bad people in the foster care system are just getting a check so they let them out on the streets the porno people know who who those kids are and they come after those 18 years old those 18 year old kids if you're watching a porn site that says, hey, 18 plus, number one, let me tell you this. I want to just tell you this. There's also minors on that site. You're participating in something that is illegal. You're, you're participating in something that is demonic. But also know this, those 18-year-olds, many of them, even though they are compliant now because they're on drugs and they, and they have nowhere else to go, they'll be dead by the time that they're 24 or 25 years old because they OD or because they kill themselves. And I'll say this, to admit, I, if, if, if you're participating in that, you're a part of that. And I'd say, come out of it. I'd say, run like your head's on fire. Get out of that mess and be real. You know, if if, if I get something ugly on my phone, which mm-hmm. I do, mm-hmm. I want to tell you, I don't hide it. I show all my pastors. I say, look at this trash that's coming against me today. Mm-hmm. And we all do that. And we all, uh, the men and the women that all of us work together, we are very open about, this is what I'm being attacked with. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, we have somebody for you to talk to. We have you, you know. But, but you don't have to participate in that. Just because you're struggling in your own sexuality doesn't mean that you have to be engaged in pornography. And since pastors haven't been real about this issue, this thing has developed and developed upon our own watch, but not on mine. I'm, it's good I'm to be accountable, it. right? It is good to be accountable. So I have five people that have, that have control of my iCloud. Five people. My wife is one of them right? One of my daughters is another one, and then me, and then two staff members. So anybody sends me anything ugly, and because I speak against pornography, I want to tell you, they come after oh, me. Oh, man, they, they flood you. Oh, brother. <laughs> they oh, come after man. me, man, and I think, man, my wife's going to see that. You're going to be in bad trouble. <laughs> you know, it's so funny. You said that last night, my wife was, I, I'm open with my wife on everything. I don't hide anything. Yeah, I don't want to hide and nothing. I, I leave I, I like to live in peace, Me too. especially yeah. at home. I rather, you know, I fought a lot of gang members growing up. The last thing I want to do is fight with my wife. Yeah, yeah me yeah, too. I, that's, I'm going to lose that. I one. don't want to be in trouble no. with her over nothing. <laughs> but we're we're open and, and sincere, and I'm transparent. I'm accountable to her. She's accountable to me. Outside of other men of God that of course, I'm accountable to, 
but I, I told her, I said, look at these crazy texts I'm receiving. Mm, yep. I said, this people, I've never given my yep. information. And she's looking at it and she goes, oh, wow. Why, why would they send you that? Mm-hmm. I said, because of what, what I do. Yeah. I'm on television yeah, all the time exactly. and they want to target. I said, but I want you to know this is what's happening. So when you see that and you see me deleting this, is for this reason. Yep. I want to be accountable. Make sure that will you protect your marriage, protect your mind. You know that the Bible says that as a man thinketh, so is he. Whatever you're hiding in your subconscious will immediately transfer to your conscious. And if you entertain those thoughts, I heard years ago this term, um, whatever happens in the mind happens in time. And whatever you're, you know, dealing with in your mind and, and planning and replaying would eventually play out in real time. That's the problem that is being exposed. And we're watching an exposure all over the world of children being treated like animals. Yeah. Uh, Used that's like a, animals. That's a great point. And, and, and hear me say this. 92% of all categories of pornography, 92% has to do with violence. If you're watching pornography, you're probably watching a violent act. 92% of all pornography involves violence. The other 8%, it could be argued that a part part of that is, but how it manifests is through children being beaten to death and molested to death all over the planet Earth while the world yawns because everybody's like, well, I can't speak up against that because I actually privately have an issue with that. I tell you, brother, there's a storm coming. I was speaking on Washington, D.C., yeah. the House of Representatives here two weeks ago, and I was speaking up there, and I told them a storm is coming to, to D.C. A storm is coming specifically to D.C. that's going to uproot, expose, and uproot, and it's also going to shut down the power. And within hours of when I was there, a storm came and uprooted the trees on Capitol Hill and then shut down the power. Like, wow. I think that, that, is, I think that, that is a prophetic picture of how the Spirit of God is moving against this terrible offense and affliction against his children. He cares about these kids, and we better be on the right side of that. And God has given you a blueprint mm. to how to rescue these kids, how to go up against the machine. And I'm amazed that you're still alive. <laughs> I'm amazed that they're, they're uh-huh. allowing you to walk around. And I don't say that lightly. You're going up against a machine that is being protected by the elites, not just the cartels and the local gangs and the local people that are trying to make a few dollars, but I'm talking about the elites of the world that they can Jimmy Hoffa you, yet God's grace is upon you, and God is giving you a blueprint. And I want you to talk about that because our time is leaving real fast. A few weeks ago, an experience in the Amazon took place that has never happened before. You had to rescue twice. That's right, buddy. Walk me through this story, and then I want you to talk about the work that you just launched. All I think it's For All the World is the title, and you, I can't believe you're doing this, aside from feeding thousands of people locally, helping people, restoring people, preaching the gospel, writing books, taking vacations, God put it in your heart to launch a medical team in the Amazon. Let's do this first. How did this double rescue take place? So uh, we've never had to do that in rescuing over 10,000 kids. We've never one time have we had to re-rescue a child. 
and we had to re-rescue this one. And it really devastated me because it's one of my favorite little girls. And I know this little girl personally. She is the picture in the face of redemption there. But the bottom line is, uh, I came in from church after a Sunday. My team was in there. We have a rule at open door before I preach. No terrible news before church. Wait until it's after. And so if I ever go in my office after church and they're all in there, I go, oh, something's oh. going on. I close the door and say, what is it? They show me pictures. Two of our friends had been brutally murdered. They had been shot in the face. And uh, one of them, one of these guys, uh, he's the guy that went with me to the airport when I was just down there a couple months ago. And he, was, he had his Bible with him, and they murdered him. His Bible was right beside his broken head. And I saw this, and we were just like, my God. And they're like, Troy, that's not the worst thing. The worst thing is they came and they got Franciella, mm. and they left with her. I'm like, how is that even possible? How is that? How could that happen? And it was the mom who works for the cartel that actually did this. And so she came, and then we found out she sold that little girl. She's nine. And then we found out who she sold her to after a few days. Our team's down there in the Amazon and found out they had sold her again. So she had, she'd been sold twice. That, that happened on a Saturday, and by Wednesday, she'd already been sold twice. And I was like, I hope she survives the week. And I want to tell you, Mondo, I was devastated. I, I can't tell you how much we cried over this and how much we cried out to God and how much we labored over it. The bottom line is that we got ready. The Lord has set me up with some amazing people that do special operations and uh, they have certain skill sets, certain military skill sets and governmental skills, skill sets. And we set up this thing to do something about it. And uh, while that was happening, I had a pastor that went down there, Pastor Swanami. She's on my team. She's one of the greatest rescuers I've she ever is. known. She's incredible. And she was down there and she called me on Monday. She left on Sunday after church. She called me on Monday and on Monday night, she said, I know where she's at. I want to tell you, I nearly dropped the phone. Wow. Man. I was like, are you serious? And I was like, have you seen her? I'll start crying right now. I was like, have you seen her? She said, no, I haven't seen her. And I was like, is she okay? And she's like, I don't know what condition she's in, but I know where she's at. And I was like, well, what are we going to do? Is it the old cartel or the new cartel? Is it this faction or is it those factions? What is it? Because the Mexican cartel is all the way down the Amazon now, the Venezuelan cartel, and they're stealing these kids and taking them to all these places for the pornography industry and to do horrible things to them. And I was like, who is it? And she's like, I don't know, but I know where she's at. It's like, okay, well, I'm ready to push the button. We're going to send in the good guys. This is going to happen. That's going to happen. That's going to happen. <laughs> and it's going to be good. Let's go. And she's like, hey, I got it. But the Lord gave me an idea. So what? And she said, I want to have a birthday party. And because tomorrow is Franciela's 10th birthday. And we know that because we'd had her for a year. And I want to have a birthday party. I want to invite the cartel and tell them to invite their kids and see if they'll bring the little girl. We got cake, ice cream. I brought a whole suitcase full of Legos. And we'll have it for everybody. And then we'll just ask if we can have her. And I was like, a birthday party. That's your plan. A Holy Ghost <laughs> birthday party. Like, man, oh, you're such man. a girl, man. Like, it's not going to work. She's like, it is going to work, Troy. The Lord told me to do this. I was like, okay. So it's like, you try your thing first. She had the birthday party. They brought the little girl to us. We had cake. We had ice cream. We had prizes for every single kid. They saw how we treated the cartel, saw how we treated their kids. Yeah. They saw how we treated their family, and they just sit there and watch the whole thing. And they said, what do you want? And they said, we want that little girl back. They give her back. Wow. It was incredible. I, I, it's, it's almost silly 
how the Lord can do things. Simple solutions to complicated issues. So yeah, oh, that just happened. We can spend an hour just talking about and rejoicing that. I know. It's just... We can celebrate, and we don't do that enough. Amen. We need to celebrate more. We need we to celebrate some of the milestones that take place in our lives. We do. And listen, one of the things I want to celebrate before we leave the air is the fact that you launched a mission that is going to, and I want to be a part of it. I don't know how, but Come I know down. we want to partner with you. Our minister is going to partner with you. What happened that we can celebrate? How, how did this happen? This medical team came together. Uh, we were there a couple of months ago. And of course, we've been there for over 20 years in the Amazon. And this is our 21st year there. And we went up the river. We, we were finally, we were invited into a place where non-Indigenous people are not allowed. Uh, but they did allow us in because we've been there for 20 years. We came in, we prayed for everybody, we blessed everybody. And while we were there, we were like, well, I wonder what we can do to make the biggest difference with these people. And we found out the only medical attention that they get is from the shaman. Mm -hmm. He's from a witch doctor. And we met the dude while we were there, and he wasn't happy we were there either. And you pay this dude 20,000 pesos, and, he, and he'll work his magic on you. Well, he put bad, he cast spells on us. He rebuked us. We rebuked him back, and we fed him and did all the thing. Anyway, we got a boat. We started, we got, we got a medical team together. We bought the boat. We put it together. Now we're going to that village. Whenever there's a pregnant girl, she doesn't have to give birth in the jungle anymore. We'll take her to the hospital. We pay for her hospitalization or whatever medical attention that they give. It puts the witch doctor out of business and it causes the people to come in relationship with the with the Lord Jesus Christ. And then, of course, we'll end up rescuing kids. We'll come across kids that need to be rescued while that's happening. How do we get involved? Uh, you can go to troybrewer.com and then find, just begin to research from there. And uh, But that's where you go. It's troybrewer.com. Troybrewer.com. I know you got to go. I do, bro. I appreciate you, man. Um, thank you for thank making you, time. Sir. I love you. Love you. You proud are of you, a man. good friend. Thank you thank for you. inspiring me. Thank you for encouraging me with... Your voice text. You don't even text. He just sends me a voice. <laughs> he wants me to hear his pretty little accent. <laughs> <laughs> this guy, this guy went across the border with me. And y'all need oh, to know this. Oh, man. This guy went across the border with me into dangerous, into a dangerous part of northern Mexico. With the cartel house is right by our rescue center. I showed it to yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. And, bro, you just made it look so easy. I'm going to do it more. Come on, man. I dare you. Because I, 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 I have a call to reach those kind of guys. And I believe what your wife was saying on the Jim Baker show that God loves them. God has grace for them. They just don't know it. I came from a home that was broken and gangs became my home. Gangs became my family. And a lot of these cartels is the same story. Yet if God's given us favor with right. just the way we look to open that yep. door, uh, we got to use it. And listen, God has called you to make a difference. No matter how you look like, where you come from, what your background is. If you feel the call of God and the anointing is on you and you have been preparing, submit yourself to your leader. You've been under discipleship and you understand how to make this work. Join us. Join us on this fight. It's not time to retreat. It's time to run towards danger and rescue those that cannot rescue themselves. Forget what people are going to talk about. Forget if you have enough followers. Forget about if you don't have enough sponsors. You have the greatest call of God in your life. Jesus died for you on the cross. He's giving you the authority. He's giving you the courage. He's giving you the tools. All he's doing is waiting for you to say yes. I want to be one of those that want to say yes. You may not be able to go you know, physically, but financially you can help us get there. Financially, you can make a difference. 
What if $10, $20, $30, what if $100 can make a difference for the future of these children? You don't know until you step out of your boat and begin to have faith and understand that what God has called you to do for this moment is for such a time as this. We have to understand that the time is near, yet it is time for you and I to get involved. I'm going to put a number on the screen that you can call. And you know what? As a matter of fact, write it down. 1-888-988-1588. Do that today. I have to go. But remember this. Keep the faith. It's going to be all right. Bye-bye.